0: Saturday, 15th of July, 2023. But took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. Acts 18, verse 21. In the previous verse, Paul did not consent to staying longer in Ephesus, That thought continues now with, but took leave of them. They had asked him to stay longer, demonstrating that his reasoning with them was sufficient to pique their interest and bring them to a desire to hear more. However, his pressing business called him away. As for the words, took leave of them, it is the same word just used in verse 18, 18, where Paul took leave of the brethren at Corinth this time it would be less difficult, as he was probably invigorated at having found an opening in Ephesus, and knowing that he could come back and continue with his evangelization of those in the synagogue. Next, he explains the reason for his needed departure, saying, I must, by all means, keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. This would probably have made them more determined to believe that he was a sincere follower of the truth. Why would a charlatan be so devout in his religious duties and yet promote falsity? As for the feast, this may be the Passover. However, it could also be Pentecost. Either way, he may have intended to meet up with many others coming for that feast, as well as meet with the church in Jerusalem. If this was for Pentecost, and he missed that, the next feast would not be until tabernacles in the fall. Travelling at that time of year would be far more dangerous. Regardless of which feast, he was determined to make it, and so he urged within himself to be in Jerusalem. Despite this, he next says, But I will return again to you, God willing. This will occur, as is recorded in Acts 19.1. As for the words, God willing, despite being an apostle, he had no true idea from day to day what the Lord planned for him. This was true in Acts 16, when he and those with him were frustrated from going into Asia. And without the vision of the man from Macedonia, he would not have known to head in that direction. For him to speak confidently about a return to Ephesus, and then not return as indicated, would say a lot about his state before the Lord. But more, James poignantly explains the reason for Paul's words. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good, and does not do it, to him it is sin." James 4, 13-17 It is arrogant to claim a right to the future that one does not possess. Even if God promised Paul twenty more years of life, unless he also specifically promised him a return to Ephesus. It may be that his final 20 years would be ministering in Rome or Spain. Unless something is specifically revealed by the Lord, we must leave the future in his hands. With that understood, the verse ends with, And he sailed from Ephesus. With these words, Paul's second missionary trip is essentially ended. The next two verses are a part of the travels back to Antioch, but the substance of the mission trip is now behind him, life application. Other than the moment in which we presently exist, we have no idea what will transpire next. The ground could quake under us, and the roof could then fall on us. Life over. The future is known only to God, and we are to leave that unknown sea of time up to His will. In invoking His will, we can then follow the admonition of Scripture and say, we shall live and do this or that. Both life and what is done with that life are up to God's allowances. However, this is not a fatalistic approach to the future by any stretch of the imagination. Two things are occurring in James's words. 1. If the Lord wills, we shall live. Solely a decision of the Lord. 2. If the Lord wills, we shall do this or that. Based on the granting of the first statement that we shall live, We will then act with the freedom to choose what we will do. The concept of free will in man is seen throughout scripture, and it is revealed even in our acknowledging his sovereignty over the future. The Bible does not portray the fatalistic view of Islam or various other religions, nor does it portray the autocratic rule of God, even in salvation, which is held to by Calvinism. Instead it reveals that God is wholly sovereign over all things, and yet he has factored in our free will, desires and actions. This is seen, for example, in Paul's words, such as in 1 Corinthians 4, 19. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power Paul freely chooses to come to those in Corinth, and yet he understood that the Lord may not will him to do so. There is a synergism that is being displayed in the life of man who works within the confines of God's overall sovereignty. Allow God to be God. Place yourself under his guiding hand in all you do. Never arrogantly boast about the future, but give room for him to be glorified as the one Who controls time and all that occurs within it even as he allows you to choose your path in the process lord god we know that our lives are directed by your overarching hand of providence and yet you allow us to act freely in what decisions we will make when our desires and decisions align with your overall plan for us then we will get what we wish. When they don't, they will be directed according to your purposes for us. So why should we worry? Everything will come out as it should, because we are in Christ and thus your children, Amen. He left them, but he said, I will come back to you again if God wants me to and so he sailed away from Ephesus. Acts 18 verse 21